This is Unbroken, healing through storytelling. Just to let you know, we have a vodcast on YouTube where you can watch the edited highlights of the episode. And don't forget to subscribe. If you fancy the full audio version, symbols, just keep listening. Oh, and if you've got a second, please give us five stars and a review. It really helps us stand out and get this important message to even more people that need to hear it the most. Meantime, enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Gloria Masters. She is an author, an advocate, and an activist for all things child sexual abuse. She speaks from 16 years of lived experience and has managed to turn the final caller of healing into giving back. She does this through highlighting the issue of child sexual abuse to help other survivors. She is currently writing her second book, Flight Path to Healing, which is a guide for survivors. She's a mother, and her career includes teaching, therapy, and business consulting. She regularly blogs on GloriaMasters.com and has created the podcast, Handing the Shame Back, which is a safe space for other survivors to share their stories. Her focus is on hope, love, and joy, and she follows her angels wherever they lead her. I think sometimes what we do as humans is we wait till we're at the edge, and then we say, help, can you give me a hand up? And I guess the angels just want us to know, look, we've got you. You know, I have nothing but empathy for my siblings now because I believe that they're just not ready to face into it. I couldn't go around it. I had to go through it. So things like the spiritual component were big for me. I noticed out of the corner of my eye a little movement to my left and I thought what's what is that and it was these beautiful little angels so welcome to the show Gloria it's so lovely to have you here all the way from New Zealand and thanks for staying up late for us <laughs> <laughs> hey an honor to be here thank you ah you're welcome so we should say obviously from your bio at the start of the show that we do discuss childhood sexual abuse so if someone is listening and they're not quite healed just you know uh, take good self-care is really what I would say. We will try not to trigger anyone. But anyway, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the first question I ask every one of my guests that comes on the show, because we are called Unbroken, the podcast, is that what does that word unbroken mean to you, Gloria? Oak tree. Because an oak tree stands and it stands the test of time. The wind, the rain, the hail, the torrents can come flying at it and it may bend, but it never breaks. It is beautiful, isn't it? And it also yeah. means that your roots are firmly grounded. Yeah. Which I love. And I have read your book um, on the on the wings of angels. Is that right? On angels' on wings, angels even. Wings. Yes. yes. I knew angels and yeah. wings were there somewhere. Um, <laughs> sorry. And, you know, I, I have worked a lot with childhood sexual abuse, but I was shocked at the level of abuse that you experience. And it's not an easy read, but I think it's a very important read for people to realise just what can take place. But also on the flip side of that, how you can survive something so deprived. So could you tell us really, I guess, what age the abuse started? It was, you were very little really, weren't you? Yeah, so infant um, and up until the age of 16, when I no longer had to see my father. Um, so that was 
um, the numbers one and six have always meant a lot to me and I had never realised why until um, I started writing my own book and then it hit me. I always used to look for the numbers one and six everywhere I went and, and that's why. And that gives me shivers because I also have a magical number, different numbers, 44. And, and it appears to me it manifests itself in, in so many ways. So it's interesting, isn't it, the numerology yes. in that. But so you were just very little and there was a time yes. when your parents separated and you were just 11 and you were given yes. a choice of which parent to live with. We have to say that your mum was quite neglectful as well. She, did, she kind of abused you in different ways. But you went to live with your mum, your, sorry, your father and your dad. And yeah. could you speak a little bit about how that was for you? Yeah, so look, um, when I was 11 years of age, my parents separated and we were made to line up in the lounge and um, told who to choose with the very strong um, emphatic uh, emphasis being on what you choose you cannot change your mind on. And my father tricked me. He um, promised me a horse. Well, that never eventuated, but the next 18 months living in his house were um, unbelievable, Madeline, just abuse, psychological torture. Um, and, you know, I, I believe he's a psychopath or he is past now, but he was definitely a deranged psychopath. And I'm very um, grateful to be alive and have emerged through it, sane in the whole. Because I'm yeah. sadly, it wasn't just the abuse that you experienced from your father and your no. brother. He also prostituted you to yeah. pedophile rings and you were a sex slave, basically, weren't you? Yes. So uh, from the time I was very little, I was trained by my um, father's mother and one of his sisters um, in the art of seduction and um, they were paid a commission by my father to um, to ensure that I delivered the best um, sexual repertoire I could so the pedophiles would pay more um, so that that was a whole other hell unto itself simply because I, I had thought my auntie in particular was a safe person and I loved her. Um, but there was a lot of tricking, there was a lot of um, manipulation and there was a lot of cruelty. Um, so, yes, I, I had no safe adult around me and I had to go within and that became my way through. I went within. And that's one of the parts of the book that really broke my heart. And I've said to you before we came on air that I, I wanted to dive in and rescue you. You think there were so many enablers, so many yes. people kind of supported that awful behaviour. Yeah. And that was was really hard to read, that you were just a little girl, kind of almost born to be abused. Yes. It was your purpose, yes. really. Yeah. And it really was, and I was not seen. I think it's important for viewers to understand this, um, that my parents, neither of them saw me actually as a beautiful, uh, lovely child to be, um, you know, loved and, and enjoyed in a really 
beautiful way that good parents out there do, they saw me as an object and in my father's case specifically to make him money and get him more notoriety and kudos within the pedophile rings and the clubs he frequented and trafficked me too. Um, yeah, so you, he, were, yeah. you, were, you were a commodity to him really, weren't you? Yeah, I was an object. So you can't, you don't love an object. You don't waste money on an object. You don't invest in an object. And that's what I was. So I had no sense of who I was. And it took me decades of therapy and healing and other modalities to emerge and say, hey, this is me and I quite like who I am. Mm-hmm. And then at 12, you were able to move back to your mum's, which was great in some respects because the sexual abuse stopped, but you were forced to go visit him every other weekend, weren't you? So every fortnight the same thing happened again. Yeah. So um, when my um, I was able to leave my father's house 18 months after um, I'd first arrived, it was only because the Catholic Church decreed at the time that he was an adulterer because I'd discovered him in bed with a woman. And I was so traumatised, my mother, for the first time, actually looked at me, Madeline, and asked what was wrong. Um, And so I told her, she was on the phone to the Archbishop, and it was deemed unsafe for me to stay living with an adulterer. Forget the trafficking and the violence and the uh, psychological torture. but so I have to go back every second weekend. So many mixed messages there. It's okay for him oh. to do what he wants to do to you, but if he does that yes. to another woman, the church suddenly were interested. <gasps> yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you tell us when you started to notice your angels, as you call them? Well, I was very little and um, blessed. They're with us now. And, and I was probably three years old and... My, I'd, I'd done something. Clearly, my father was in a rage, and he dragged me um, out into the garage and, and threw me into a, an apple crate. And this is back in the days when apple crates had um, they were wooden boxes, but they had slats between them. So he he roughly shoved me in there, nailed another one on the top, and um, was swearing and cursing and very angry with me. And um, and told me I had to stay there. And I don't know how long I was there. It felt like hours. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye a little movement to my left. And I thought, wonder what's what is that? And it was these beautiful little angels. And they just seemed so graceful and loving and just exuded love and and warmth, and I just wanted to play with them. And um, from then on, um, I would reach out when I could, and and I always felt them around me. And and that's what I got from the book. It was total contrast, this dark, depraved world, and yet this beautiful light, this support. They were both going on at the same time, so it was a real paradox. But I get a sense that if they weren't around... You might not be around either. They they really guided you to stay grounded and to almost prepare you that this will stop one day and you will be okay. 
Well, it was it was interesting because it was so innate in me. I can still feel it. I have to survive. I have to survive this. I have to keep breathing. I have to get through it. And I was just so desperate to just put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from, but it was the power, if you like, the the beautiful energy of of the human spirit Mm -hmm. and if you said to me what is this book about you know what it's about the power of the human spirit and its ability to overcome because really by all um by all accounts all the therapists and etc i've seen have said you really shouldn't be here or (laughs) you should be really quite mentally unwell absolutely um so i'm really grateful I'm so grateful to be here and and what is your understanding I'm I'm sure over the years you've tried to work out why did these angels come to me why were they there in in my darkest moment do you have an understanding or do you just say I'm thankful they're there but I don't really understand it all what what's your theory on it all well I I I believe that I was meant to go through what I did I believe I was meant to experience the depths of of this so that I could emerge through and shine a light um, so that others could also find a way through. And and my whole purpose in life, actually, is to help others by shining a light on this. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I'm doing. It is is amazing. You, I know I've called other people this, but you really are a, a lighthouse, that you are just here now to serve others and to just light up the path for them, really, to show them that no matter what you go through, no matter how hard your past is, it doesn't determine your future. And you can heal because, you know, we have a similar-ish story and people say to me, I'd never go over that if that happened to me. And, like, we both of us are here like, actually, you can. And, actually, you can have a good life. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, my my thing is this one of the real focuses I have is the the power of the silence out there around this topic yeah and I my real core objective for me is to help others to hand the shame back by even speaking to a friend or, or writing out what happened to them you don't have to do what what you you did Madeline and what I'm doing which is write a book and and create platforms to to share you can do it very gently and quietly and privately but I truly believe even now as we're speaking we're handing the shame back because the more we speak the less power this has absolutely because the silence uh, really hurts us and protects the perpetrators doesn't it but yeah, and to me, look, the, the silence is enabled. And I love that you used that word earlier, not just by the pedophiles and the gatekeepers around them, mm-hmm. but by beautiful people out there in our lives who struggle with the topic, who find it uncomfortable, who don't know what to say or how to help. So they'd rather we didn't speak, or in my case, rather that, do you really have to talk about it, Gloria? Yes, I do, because it might be your child or grandchild I save one day through being able to share. And I think it's role modelling that actually if we find our voices and 
and open our mouths and use the words. Um, one other survivor out there might find the courage to to share their story. You're helping so much more than just one other survivor. Your story, the ripples, I mean, we're New Zealand to Scotland, you know, the, the ripples <laughs> where it's going to go are far reaching than that. So for you, we talk about the magic 16, the one six, because that's yes. when it stopped. And you didn't yes. really have all of your memories till later on, didn't you? When did they return? Yeah, yeah so... I think I thank my mind for this. I um, dissociated through all of those years and I kept dissociating. And I firmly believe that when we're ready to face in, they appear. So when I was 32, my eldest child was in her sixth year. She was turning six. Mm-hmm. And man, did those those memories start? And there were they came at me like a tsunami. Um, and you know that that's what happened so for people that maybe don't understand what dissociation is it's like having a car accident you're not really going to remember it initially um, because it's a shock to the system and and the mind protects and I think I thank my mind for protecting me um, because I wasn't ready to deal um and and when I was 32, clearly I was, although I didn't really welcome it. <laughs> it, it it's just so <laughs> weird talking to you because everything you say is really what I say as well. It's kind of wow. different stories, but so many similarities like, yeah, I'm yeah. grateful the memories stayed away. And when they came back, all I want to do is to remember them. When they came back, I'm like, whoa, I don't want to remember those. <laughs> yeah, no, take me out of here. Yeah. And what was I thinking? I know. But you <laughs> what deci- was I thinking? I know. You decided to go to the police, didn't you, and report yes. it. But the yes, case and- was, was dropped, wasn't it, even though you were able to share your story? Yeah, look, and the police were amazing, and uh, I thank them again today for that because they never once doubted my story, mm-hmm. um, and their only issue was what they call burden of proof, mm-hmm. and they had too many people saying none of that happened. So uh, they they told me it was a 6 out of 10, and they would need a 7 out of 10 to proceed. Um, and so you, it seemed yeah. as if your mother manipulated your siblings, didn't it? Because some of them yeah. were clearly going to speak and then they retracted. She well, still controlled them a bit, didn't she? Yes, or a lot? Yeah, to this day. And, yes. you know, I, you know, I have nothing but empathy for my siblings now because I believe that they're just not ready to face into it. Otherwise, they would have, and, and I would have heard that. So, Unfortunately, Madeline, I got labelled the black sheep, deluded, evil, liar. I have no right to speak of this to anyone, you know, all of that. So other survivors out there will relate to that. They want to shut you down. And the the conspiracy of silence renders us uh, re-traumatised and feeling more shame. So, you know, really as a mother, I think uh, if my children had ever come to me with anything, my response would be, what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the beauty of, of healing and, and seeing the power that mothers hold, mm-hmm. actually. And your mm. mother decided to 
stopped speaking to you, didn't she? And so did your siblings until it was her what was her her eightieth birthday, wasn't it? Then she decided yeah. to get you all back together, but they mm. still wouldn't allow you to speak, and they still wouldn't accept it, would they? You nope. tried. Nope. And to be honest, there's only it's only so many times I feel I could have knocked at that door um, without having it slammed in my face, and. I, I had enough self-esteem then to actually decide, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, I think for my mother over the course of all of those years since I disclosed to her, um, she cut me out of her life three times and, and then it was just too hard. You see, she wanted me to compartmentalise, cut off, the part of me that holds the truth and um, and never speak of it again. And if I was prepared to never speak of it again, then I could have a mother again in my life. So it came with conditions then, didn't it? Oh, absolutely, Madeline, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and there's a line that I actually wrote down from your book, which kind of speaks to this part. I yeah. couldn't continue knocking at a door she would never open. So in the end, I chose truth and light over lies and darkness and that yeah. it, that just jumped out at me it was so powerful that line thank you it really was yeah. Yeah. so i guess people would be intrigued you know how do you even begin to heal from all that you went through well i suppose when you you think about it, i was born into child sex trafficking. I was trafficked to gangs. I uh, was made to feature in many pornographic movies. Um, you know, I was I was kind of prostituted out to gangs and clubs and um, had forced abortions on me at my grandmother's hands. So I, I went through so much horror um, that I, I believe... It became almost like brushing your teeth. I just got used to it and my mind had cut off my body. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I have talked about this yes. in the past. So I was Nothing so dis- from the neck down. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Madeline, you've got it. Yeah. And so I wasn't in my body. And if if I could say this, the worst thing for me wasn't the abuse and the trafficking and, and all the horror. The worst thing for me was the psychological torture, actually, at the hands of my father mm-hmm. and the absolute willful, um, dedicated abandonment from my mother. Yeah. And, and I believe where abuse and neglect live um, you know, abandonment thrives and, yeah. And when did you decide to go for therapy and what kind of therapy did you feel helped the most or was it just a collection of all the therapies? Because you said you've done some alternative therapies as well. Yes, I'm I'm interested to hear your many things because we need to get book two to read all about the many things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Look, um, isn't it interesting how powerful the mind is? And, And again, it's just the power of the human spirit. I'm so grateful to be in this body and have this spirit, you know, and I, I, so therapy for me started within a month or so of memories coming at me because they were so bizarre and traumatic, you know, as a as a young mum, and 
I, I thought I must be going a bit crazy, but there was such truth and they just kept coming at me. And then I had somatic experiences as well, which, of course, as survivors, we get. Um, so I think for me, the modality I initially chose was a psychologist. I also did a lot of spiritual work. I dove deep into the Wayne Dwyer, Louise Hay works. Um, because I had to find whatever I could to try and manage the evil that I was having to relive in a way to deal with. I couldn't go around it. I had to go through it. So things like the spiritual component were big for me. Um, I was a runner and very physical, so um, a bit like what you were, Madeline, lots of similarities, actually. Mm-hmm. So okay. I found respite in, in running and physicality because it released endorphins. The endorphins, the happy pills, kept me a little more buoyant and a bit more lifted. So there was that. Um, I also did things like um, a lot of massage. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of massage done. And you know, things like a group, I went to a support group, um, I went and played netball because I had such a fear of men, I was really, one day there were some men walking up my driveway and I was in the middle of recall, you know, in those years, and I really thought they were coming to attack me, and I was quite challenging towards them, and they were just simply trying to do some surveying work, Um, so that's how real this stuff is. Um, But you know what? For the viewers out there, I now look at anything, any triggers, any flashbacks, anything as thank you because it vindicates me and validates the body never lies and the body never forgets. Absolutely. And I always think, well, that's one less that I ever have to have again. And also... It's yeah. a little bit like a contraction, you know, that it's hard for yeah. a while, but then that one's done, and then we're going to get the baby at the end, you know. And, yeah. and if anyone's listening and we're kind of we're not making light of it, you know, we've, we can no. laugh and we can smile about it, which is what I want people to hear as well. And like you, yes. it's about the hope and the love and the joy. Yeah. And, yeah, there's so many similarities. So was it um, therapeutic for you to write your story down, and how did that process work? Well, it was interesting. It was such a um, a duality, actually, <laughs> because on the one hand, it was so therapeutic, and I just I wrote in seven weeks. Draft number one was done in seven weeks, but it was so traumatizing because here I am, Miss Braveheart, and I'm out there walking the area where the abuse occurred. My school outside the old family home big mistake I was doing it by myself and um, I rang my therapist and um, she said what's going on and I I just burst into tears and I said I'm just doing some research for the book and she said don't you ever ever do that alone again you cannot be alone you were alone then it's just re-traumatizing so look I'm not trying to understand that because you know the block of flats where I was raped when I was younger yeah I could never drive past it. I couldn't even look at it. No. And just the other week I was in London and we drove past it and I thought, it's okay now. It's really, yeah. it's, it's yeah. done. Uh, yeah. And I actually even told my youngest who was in the car, 
that's where it took place and they never knew that so it was wow. it was interesting yeah really interesting to see wow. can we test ourselves and we don't get triggered anymore what yeah. do your children know of what happened to you have they have they read your book um no and i'm i've protected them a bit actually from this because to me i'm just their lovely annoying frustrating wonderful mother mm -hmm. which is great which is exactly what i want them to have that relationship mm -hmm. with me but they they got very traumatized just hearing about it. So, you know, I'm always going to be a lovely mum. God knows where I got that from, uh, and um, and and protect the children. If if they ever want to read it, they they can do that easily. Um, but I don't need them to for my yeah. sake. I'm I'm fine. But do you speak um, to them about the angels? Are there angels around them as well? Yes, yeah, constantly. Yeah. So you they came to you, but you can now draw on them when you need them, or are they always with you, your angels? Oh, I was talking to them just before you and I came on, mm -hmm. because I I really feel um, as though I'm I'm guided. I feel like I'm I'm here as a a person who's potentially carrying a bit of a light mm -hmm. for others. So. I'd yeah. say you've been a bit modest there. It's a bit more than a bit of a light. It's as <laughs> if you are a vessel, really, and they are guiding yeah. that vessel. Yeah. And do you think yeah. we all have angels around us, but we just I don't know how to access them? Or we haven't been, I think, when you go to the edge of the earth, we're then yeah. taken to another dimension, aren't we? Yes, and absolutely. And that happened to me several times, and, and I nearly lost my life. and. Mm -hmm. And that was that was what that was. But the point is, I'd talk to them all the time because they were all I had, and I was so isolated and left and abandoned. Um, I just had to find a way to manage manage them. It wasn't really safe for me to have friends around. So I think um, you know, with with the angels. For, for people and your question is do we all have it yes we do and I think sometimes what we do as humans is we wait till we're at the edge and then we say help can you give me a hand up and I guess the angels just want us to know look we've got you we're around you we're holding you um, and, and there's kind of if I say a reason for everything I don't mean to minimize at all what people go through um please please no yeah that's a tricky that. one with me because i used to think oh everything happens for a reason but now i don't know now i think we can make reason out of things that happen to us that's probably more yeah it. and we can Absolutely. turn our pain into purpose so i, I kind of that's it flipped because it. Yeah. everyone you say well everything happens for a reason i think bloody hell no it doesn't yeah. but yeah. i think i've taken yeah. i've made reason from it and what do you yes. do about people, um, I mean, were you worried about exposing the angels? If people kind of poo-pooed them when they read your book or they dismissed it, was that ever a concern or do you have that? Go go hard. <laughs> do whatever you want. It's not what you think about me is not my problem. I, um, I'm here with love and light and yeah. um, just doing my best to, to share this so other survivors out there, up to one in three in our country is one report. Um, can can perhaps feel a little bit less alone. Mm -hmm. so. You are such a, and a really very moved to speak to you because you are so centred and grounded despite all the degradation and, you know, 
everything that you went through it is a remarkable journey so before we sign off because the time just whizzes by anybody listening right now anything that you haven't said that you'd like to or any kind of words of wisdom you'd like to leave us with here's your chance okay so never doubt yourself never ever doubt that what emerges in you isn't true because you have this you know truth deep down your body doesn't lie and um, I just want to give all you survivors a, a big hug out there and just let you know you're never alone we stand with you and that's my angels as well so <laughs> Absolutely. Just leaves me to thank you so much for staying up late over the other side of the world for us. And I know this episode sadly will resonate with, with many people. So I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for you and your voice and just the beautiful thank being you. that you are. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Unbroken healing through storytelling. If you haven't already, go on, download, subscribe, give us a five-star rating. It really helps us get this important and life-changing message out to as many people as possible. There is already a selection of fantastic episodes to choose from and a brand new one coming soon. Unbroken, healing through storytelling. Playing now on all the main platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher for Android, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and here. Play Unbroken, the podcast with Madeline Black.